0: Um, one of the really, if I'm honest, painful things um, that I found over the last 18 months or so has been the emergence of stories what people describe as pastoral abuse. I should say at the outset that's not you know, the art stories from within Morgan Road Church, um, although I know a number of you um, in years gone by and churches previously well. but rather the sort of wider sphere of church or parachurch, wider evangelicalism. and it's not uh, a new phenomenon, sadly. But it's something that's particularly come to light over the last few years. Um, stories that vary in many ways, different contexts, different symptoms, different people, different details and yet united by those often in leadership, ministers or employers who who don't treat their staff or their sheep as they ought. Lots of it is still ongoing, you can look it up later, this is news for you. I don't know for many of you it's not, but whether it's Ravi Zacharias or Jonathan Fletcher or others People have been bullied and manipulated and abused, whether in spiritual or psychological or sexual terms. Then often things have been covered up by others, sometimes trying to seek to give those outside the church a better grasp or a better image of what the church is really like, and yet that's not true. Someone said, we know we're jars of clay, but we want to make the jar seem a bit more jazzy. We don't like revealing our weakness and our mess. It kind of trying to do a sort of PR job for God, God and it's a bit horrible. It really has been horrible. So I wanted this kind of Vision Sunday, as Phil said, partly in response to a bit of that which I know will affect or has affected some of you, but partly too as a kind of vision for us as a church to think about what any kind of leadership really ought to look like. Or actually more than that, simply what the Christian life ought to look like. What should our posture be? What sort of a church culture should we expect? Should we be a part of? Should we enjoy? And so we'll spend some time in John 13. And really what we're thinking about is how we use the power that each of us have. How we use the power that each of us have. Because this really is a conversation about power. And maybe you're a And you need to think about how you use that power to cause your children to flourish and to blossom. What does that mean? Maybe you're a theological witness. You need to think about how you use that power, that knowledge of the scriptures to help others grasp and grow in the gospel. Maybe you've been around at Northern Road for years, decades. Maybe you were here before the church started. And, and you know everything and everyone Northern Road Church related. And you think about how you use that power to be kind and welcoming and hospitable and generous to those who are new and just trying us out, just visiting. Maybe you're a leader. Maybe you're a leader church, church or elsewhere think about how you use that power to serve and lead those under your care so they can achieve they can thrive how do we intentionally use the power that God has given to us and if you don't think you have any power maybe that's a conversation uh, for this week in home groups or over a coffee with a friend or over lunch today will you come with me now to John 13 Let's see if Jesus can help us think about how we need to have. Uh, just a bit of setting the scene. If you know John's Gospel, remember it's an eyewitness book. He's selecting particular stories to try and persuade us of who Jesus is. John was there, he saw him. So he wants to put together an account to persuade us we might follow Jesus too. And yeah, it's interesting that it? this little section in fact, 13 onwards isn't so much, I think, seeking to persuade us that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But actually, this is him telling us what life in his name looks like. This is what it means to be one of his. This is nitty-gritty Christian living, kind of lived out, 13 to 17. Zoom in with me. That's 1. Just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world to go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. It's Thursday. Jerusalem was crammed, it would be as Matt was teaching, hot and dusty, there would be The hustle and bustle of pilgrims who have come to Jerusalem to remember God rescuing his people from Egypt. Do you remember, as we've been looking through Exodus, it would be a city that would be full of animals at the time. Animals to be sacrificed at the temple, lambs to be eaten in each house as each family remembers the battle. An animal dying in the place of the firstborn son. And it's fair to say that common courtesy would have meant... Guests at your house would expect their feet to be cleaned, to be washed. It was the servant's job. There was a pecking order. It wasn't just a servant, it was the lowest of the low. You wouldn't wash the feet of someone below you, you wouldn't wash the feet of someone on your level. It's the person at the bottom of the pond who washes the feet. And so Jesus takes off just his outer cloak. Um, That is, he lays aside his status. And he gets on his knees and he watches his disciples' feet. And to say it would have been a bit awkward is British understatement. But it is a passage about much more than just watching the feet. It's a passage about life, the incredible extent of his love. Have a look again at the end of this one. Having loved his own, in the world, he loved him for the so you see, what follows in the foot washing and beyond is the magnitude of his divine love for his people. This is an enacted parable that points us to the cross. And so our first point, the cross, is how we get clean. You want verses? That's kind of verse 1 to verse 11. The cross is how we get clean. Can that magic up In verse 8 Jesus says to Peter that he has to be cleansed. But let me pick it up again from verse 3 and just read through to see how we get there. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Come to Simon Peter, he said, "Would well, you can wash my feet?" Jesus replied, Don't realise now what I'm doing. But later, times, no, Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. It's much more than just washing feet. Jesus isn't saying to Peter, Listen, your, your feet are too cheesy, your toes are too smelly, you can't be here with me see it did smell okay when you took your shoes off earlier so that's a good thing he's simply saying to be one of mine you must let me wash you to to be one of his we must be made clean Matt does such a great job of teaching us if you're powerful in our world flex your muscles from the playground to the boardroom those who have power they show it and so Peter wants to put Jesus in his place, which is back at the head of the table, the place of honor and status, the place of power that Jesus, Jesus speaks and means. He takes the position of a servant. Why? Let's So. It's important so. Why does Jesus stoop and serve? I think because of who he is and because of what he's going to do. Who is he? He's the one with all things under his feet. He's the one who has come from God. He is the one with true power. And because of his true power, he serves. It's Philippians 2, it's Jesus who, being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage or, or grasped or clung onto, but rather he makes himself nothing and takes the nature of service. You see, our God, by his very nature, perhaps, paradoxically, perhaps it feels topsy-turvy, but our God is one who serves. Which feels wrong because that's not how the world does power. So that's who he is. What's he going to do? He's going to return to the Father, which means job done, which means mission accomplished, which means ultimate service seen, which means work on the cross finished. This is more than a story about washing feet. This is a story about the cross. It is getting rid of the dirt from inside us. The cross is how we get finished Now we're just coming to the end of that time of the year. So imagine with me, you're punting on a tent because it's Oxford. That's what we do all the time. You imagine the quiet, relaxed afternoon. You're hoping to end up with pims and strawberries and all that kind of stuff. Some of that, such sort of luxury that we do in Oxford. Um, the reality is, if you're under the age of about twenty-three, you'll probably end up in the water. And imagine you get back home, and there are muddy, muddy footprints down the street behind you, brown ooze kind of dripping from you, you're feeling a bit ill already. You ring the doorbell, your housemate opens the door. They've got marigolds on, they are sweating, it's been a busy morning, been having fun with the Hoover, with the window lean, with the Ajax, the, the house is gleaming, it's perfect, It's pristine. they let you in? Absolutely not. You are not coming in here walking on my carpet. You. Out into the back garden they scrub you with the hose and the kitchen spraying. But it's John 13 and we're not really talking about the lights and yet before we come into God's kingdom, something similar has to happen to us. It's, it's cleansing from sin. It's the pride and the me-centeredness. It's, it's doing things my way and not God's way. It's me getting to call the shots and not him. And naturally we are caked in it. And naturally we are full of this. And so Jesus says we need to be washed. It's the selfish actions eating the last biscuit in the barrel. It's taking the last locket from the fridge, even though we know it means that others will go without. It's the gossip when we talk about friends when another around, or we send messages to other friends ripping these friends apart. It's the thought, it's the mental assassination that we go through as we, as we run through the conversation again and again and again, and we can't stop. We rip apart their motives. Or maybe it's the way that we use power. The way that we use power for me and for my benefit and please will you like me and my appetites and my ego to get what I want. And we turn up at the front door, we've got brown beans dripping from us, but but it's because we need Jesus to cleanse us. Yes. So there he is, bending down his Cloak off family in his hands. And God's king washes in between those of his fruits, giving him a picture of what he will go on and do the next day. Maybe you're here and you aren't a Christian, and you're not sure, or you know that lockdown has been an extraordinary time of drifting off into other things. Maybe you are a Christian, you just know you need to come back again to the cross. I would urge you to come to Jesus and to be there. Those things that you know about, and you'd be so ashamed if other people knew about. Those things you wish you never got involved with, and yet the skeletons are still there in your closet and your orchard. And Jesus says, come and be washed. Come and find forgiveness. Come and find life. Come Come and receive He says. Peter can't cope with a million saviour who's filling between the toes. And yet you see why Jesus is so unwavering? Because if he can't accept Jesus' service and love here, then he won't accept it at the cross. Our natural reaction, I think, to grace. It highlights our pride, and it's... I don't know, actually, I don't about that, really. okay, I mean I can do it myself, I'll, I'll sort it out I'll, I'll, I'll make it back to him, I'll just tip the scale so we'll be alright, we'll be on God's side again and yet we can't, and it's all been done for us, so put your pride away we need him to serve us and to wash us, to love us so that's the foundation in one sense for the sermon. Because the next point really is the cross is our model for serving. Verse 14 to 17. You see, we need to do that bit first. Because we need to know how God loves and serves us first before we can then go and love and serve each other. The cross is how we get in, But Jesus says it, it's our example as well. It, it's how we are to use the power that he entrusts to us. Verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash on another's feet. I've set you an example, that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent you. Now that you know these things, I'll be blessed if you do them. Do you want to know how to treat other people? Do you want to know how to use the power that God has entrusted to you? You see, because you have been loved and served by Christ, now go and do that with this. Because he used his power and privilege for his people. Now, that is to be our question If your parents, a do parent, you love and serve your children that they might encourage? What does that look like as you, as you use that power for their peace, as you pour yourself out for them, day after day after day after day? Day. Or if you're the theological words, how do you use that power and that knowledge to love and serve others? What does that look like in homebrew? Maybe it looks like you're pointing down a bit. Maybe it looks like you gathering a few people for breakfast each week to read a book together. How do we build up us up rather than being priced up by what you. Need. Or if you've been around Northern Road for years, many of you are amazing at this fact. Remember to be kind and welcoming and hospitable and generous, to use that power of knowledge of people and situations and presents and things to help others who are just trying to support. What's your leadership? Leadership here? elsewhere how do you take care not to use that shower for your own good, for your own benefit your own ego, your appetite because that is our danger that is the default position of our hearts, that it always becomes about us it always becomes about you. in these bodies that are still selfish and self-sufficient we can do what we do, it's so subtle but that we hope that we get the benefit. I want you to like this scene. because I want you to like me. That just shows something of the murkiness of my eyes. The way in which we can use them to get what we want, the comfort, the kudos, the standing, the reputation, the likes, the whatever it might be. All at the other end of the scale, the more sinister is at the center. The way that people are used and and on us. The modern Mo church, forgive me for the alliteration, but I'd love us to be a fellowship of footwashers. A fellowship of footwashers, the kind of place where we are seeking to outdo each other in, in giving up our rights and our power and our privilege for the sake of everyone else. The kind of place where we put egos aside, and we love and we bless them serve each other because we know we have been loved and blessed and served. To be so caught up with Christ that serving others is just second nature, Just what we do. To be so caught up with him that we, we, we just use the power well that he's given us. It's just natural. It's just because we are so caught up with him. And it's crossing. It's crossing, isn't it? As you make dinner for that family who are struggling, as you babysit for the couple so that they can go out for an evening, as you give sacrificially and generously in all kinds of ways, or as you help people, or you're on various teams at church with getting going. I know we're short in various ways, different teams, different voters, different groups needing people. As you pour yourself out, the cross is your model for service. And, you know, as you often take on... Their pain and their hardship, as you absorb something of what they're going through, as you love them and serve them and help them, there's an exchange that goes on. Many of you will know. Tim Keller, he's a author. He's written this. It's quite a long quote, but I love it. So I'd like. Um, he, says, he says, there are a lot of wounded people out there. They are emotionally sinking. They are hurting and they desperately need to be loved. And when they are with you, you want to look at your watch. You want to make a graceful exit because listening to them with all their problems can be rude. It can be exhausting to be a friend to an emotionally damaged person. But the only way they're going to start filling up emotion is if somebody loves them. And the only way to love them is to let yourself be emotionally drained. Some of your fullness is going to have to go into them, and you have to empty out this some of them. If you hold on to your emotional comfort and simply avoid these people, they will sink. The only way to love them is through substitutionary sacrifice. Or real, life-changing love. Life the substitutionary sacrifice. Jesus says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Fellowship with The kind of church where people are happy to use all their power and their privilege, not for themselves, but for him. But for them. Do you know I reckon I as we do that? And cynical, bitching world sees something. Sees something of the difference that that he makes in creating this new culture, this new way of doing life. Indeed, doing life as it was meant to be done. Because as we serve and we love each other, we are more human than we ever what Kind of culture that's less about me? and please serve me. And what about me? What about all that by the side because you know the natural bent of our uh, simple hearts is still to itself it's all to me. We're sorry for the ways in which we use all the gifts that you've entrusted to us. So we're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful because he comes and says, let me make you. because he shows us how we should, he shows us what it means to be. He shows us what it means to be true. Father, we longed increasingly. He would shape us as a church to be a Christian. There's a kind of culture we just simply love each other. Well, we know that's messy. We know that's difficult. We so we thank you for the spirit. I can do it after smoking tonight.